This is the Forgotten Ways podcast, the show where we explore what it looks like to both love God and honor the earth. Join me, Brandon Scott Elrod, in fun interviews with friends who are clergy, philosophers, politicians, business owners, and regular folks like you and me, who are all learning and growing in both our faith and our environmental stewardship. Hi, everybody. This is Brandon Elrod, and I am here with Doug Brown. Doug Brown is a friend of mine. He's got a rich history, formerly a pastor. He most recently has founded a nonprofit for people struggling with infertility. And Doug holds a master's degree in philosophy from Talbot Seminary. And Doug is on the program today to talk through some of the philosophical side of uh, the blend of faith and environmental stewardship. So welcome, Doug. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I think there's a lot to talk about. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, Doug is a very smart, very intelligent, very well-studied <laughs> individual. <You're> too kind. <laughs> we have uh, lots of fun talking about uh, C.S. Lewis and Oxford and Tolkien <laughs> and all that wonderful, uh, rich, rich folklore. So, Doug, today we want to start with this topic of this question. Does it seem that Christians don't really care about the environment? Of your years in the church, years in ministry, of the circles that you operate in, of being out in the marketplace, does this seem like an accurate perception? Or is it something that is mostly a caricature that, um, that we see in the media? Or what's your experience with that? It's a big question. It's a great question. I think absolutely there is a, an issue with Christian belief about the environment. I think generally people um, don't care enough about the environment in which they, uh, the environments in which they live in, mm-hmm. the, you know, the houses, they, the cars they drive, the, the earth that they're walking on. Um, but it just so happens that, that, that the Christian thinking has um, a lot of thoughts about the earth. And in some <clears throat> I guess you could say sects or denominations of Christianity, they're, they're armed with the ability of thinking about a new earth or a new heaven that's going to be remade. So there's just there's a lot of tools that they have to either dismiss care for the earth at all or to pick up the mantle and really care for it. So I think Christians in and of themselves are, are charged um, either one direction or the other when it comes to caring about the earth. So I think it's a really... Interesting topic. I, I would, I could probably say from my personal opinion that, that the believers and the Christians that I've interacted with, um, there isn't a huge sense of needing to care about the earth, okay. um, but that there, that there will be um, a future where things are remade. So mm-hmm. the the current status of what we have now is is less important. However, that I mean, there are pockets of people who are the exact opposite. And I think even part of the reason what we're talking here today is that I think there is a growing movement of people who have who realize that more needs to be done, more conversation needs to be had. So a long, a long yeah. answer to saying, yes, I think the majority of Christians I've interacted with, they don't care enough, don't care enough. Okay. So do you think that that is more based in, from a Western modern perspective, is that based more in theology or is that based more in the reality of, you know, living in, 
a, a culture where we have systems, we have trash, we have recycling, we have everything. There's not this impending, obvious, in-your-face, you know, critical need wherever we turn as we're driving to work, as we're, we're not seeing it firsthand, so maybe it's out of sight, out of mind. Which do you think plays into it more, the theology or, or our perspective? Yeah, I think I want to say that our perspective is the thing that probably hits us first and then is backed by a theology maybe is what I would want to say. Okay. I think maybe like, you know, how you slow cook a frog, you know, mm-hmm. you just slowly kind of get incubated with, with something. I think it's the same thing, but with our ideas about the environment. Um, for me, I grew up here in Southern California. Um, I, I'm a surfer. I love the ocean. I love the beach. Um, so th- I've been introduced to environmentalism and even caring for the earth through my surfing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think it, for all of us who've grown up, we, we only really ever see what we're exposed to. And I mean, you have to take into consideration where we live. Um, that I have friends in the developing world who what the, the way they see the environment and the way they see um, things like like trash being dealt with or mm-hmm. Um, waste or chemicals and things like that is very different than what I'm going through. So for me, I would say I'm slow cooked into not caring just because, the, you know, the trash gets picked up every Thursday right. or whatever. Automatic. I got a dumpster, you know, where I live just to throw everything away. It's, I don't, there's not a really a consequence by that. But then at the same time, you have this idea of being that things are, that this is passing away. It's almost of no, no consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the theology side of things, that we have this sense of things will be remade, I will be raptured, I will be, I will be taken away from this. Mm-hmm. So it's this, you know, meeting of two ideas that you know you're, you're slow cooked into thinking it doesn't really matter, yeah. and then maybe you even have some theological backing that it really doesn't matter. Right. So I think you end up with a problem. You end up with a, this idea that it. it that it never ever enters your sphere of thinking that I need to be right. carrying. I think you're right. I think we're just honestly oblivious. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. Yeah, uh, and it's it's kind of almost a neutral thing. It's it's we just don't encounter it, so therefore it's not critical. It's not urgent, and and yeah, to your point, we have theology that may support. Oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird way of putting it. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about the about surfing then. Um, did you see, uh, I mean, is that something that you encountered, yeah. coastal mm-hmm. pollution, anything like that? Did you see any change, positive or negative, um, over your years being active doing that? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, we're all surfers. Right, right now, as we're recording this podcast, it's um, we have – the rain is impending. Like we're going into the more rainy season after a dry, you know, dry summer is normal. <laughs> but as surfers, we hate this season because as the rain comes, all of what's been in the yeah. the storm drains and the and the runoff is all about to come out of the ocean. And you know, there's the people talk about how you don't you shouldn't surf after it rains and things like that. And then that is because I've you, you've I've seen trash in the water. I've wow. seen, I know it's horrible to even talk about, but I've seen um, hypodermic needles on the beach. Mm. Um, just a general sense of just the water being unclean, just a feeling of oiliness to the water. And wow. and that's all stuff I've seen. However, you know, I've it actually has gotten in some ways, uh, you know, this will be an interesting season, but in some ways it, it was more, it was worse 
10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, there has been some some marked effort by places like the Surfrider Foundation. Right. Um, the, even, you know, we're here in Southern California, the Bolsa Chica. Uh, wetlands. The wetlands. Yeah, people taking some serious efforts. And for me, as someone who's re- who's out in the water, it, that means a lot to me mm-hmm. because I'm the one who's swimming in, in that water. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I think I've seen it get better. However, I think it's only opened my eyes to... Man, there's it's a drop in the bucket. Have how much work needs to be done? Yeah, you know my my dad was a, a helicopter pilot hmm. um, throughout the '70s, '80s, '90s in uh, Southern California, and he he describes very clearly hmm. remembering the the transition in air pollution. Wow, yeah. Um, in the '70s, it was just terrible. Yeah, terrible. Uh, brown. The sky was brown. Yeah. <laughs> and he's flying in it. He's breathing it. It's it's he's in it hmm. at eye level. And you know, of course, we know that there's been EPA regulations, yeah. air quality reg- regu- regulations. There's local ordinance, um, and you know, some of that may frustrate some people or, or you know cause some inconvenience. Right. But the net effect is that over the decades, the sky in Southern California has become, for the most part, very clear. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an odd day that you see the sky looking like there's, there's smog or something. Yeah. So I think that's a, a great example uh, in addition to your experience of, yeah. of seeing firsthand and seeing progression, seeing improvement. And really being able to tie that improvement to people caring. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the the, the theological side of it. Okay, deal. <laughs> so you know a little bit about theology. Yeah. Uh, having a pastor's uh, background here. Um, what is what is maybe what is some of the more recent theology that has contributed to uh, maybe modern apathy when it comes to environmental stewardship. Yeah. Um, I just, we even want to just lead by saying this is, there are a lot of different ways to approach the Christian thought on this. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would be remiss to say or more to say that this is the all of Christian thought or all of Christian theology, but but certainly there is a, a, a slice of it that has really contributed in my life in in ways of thinking about the environment. And I would say it goes back to apocalyptic thinking okay. at the turn of the century in response to liberalism. I mean, that's there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But I think the idea that um, we are going to be raptured out, the apocalypse mm-hmm. is coming, and we will be we will be taken away the environment and caring about um, the way we talk about natural things. You have the introduction of Darwinism being taught in schools. Um, this kind of like a rejection of the way the modern culture was even viewing the earth. Um, the idea that we were, you know, an evolutionary or part of an evolutionary system, mm-hmm. a rejection of that, a rejection of all of these earthly things and a looking towards this coming apocalypse. Right. It just lends itself to not caring about the here and now, you know, the, the right. world that we're living in. There's this, I'm a stranger, I'm an alien. And again, there's there's truth in all of the, these passages. These are a lot of, if you're unfamiliar, the idea of a stranger and an alien here on earth, those are Christian themes that, that we're kind of 
and this is how I picked it up, we're passing through. Right. So what we have here is just this, this real intermediate land. Of, it's a bus so stop. It's, it's totally, yeah. It's like it's the um, the ashtray next to like the restaurant as you go in. It's like, well, you do whatever you want with this because you got something good coming. Mm-hmm. And I think there there is a theological core there that it, that it that it was even taught that way that this will be consumed by fire. A new earth will be re, will be made, um, and then there is where you know you, maybe you can pick up your environmentalism. But here it's kind of it's a waste. You know the 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 sin nature of mankind combined with the fallen nature of of earth in the Genesis three mm-hmm. fall stand you know view is this earth we've ruined it. Like it's right. it's 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 kind of broken. We might as well discard it and wait for the new one. I mean, that's the least environmental thought probably I could think of, right? Is right. At, at its core, this earth is rotten, so we might yeah. we might as well abandon it. So I, you're never going to get environmentalism out of that, right? right? I mean, so I think that's the core. I think for me, the core of that theological idea. So, so there's two two thoughts embedded in there. You have um, the earth has fallen, right? So, and that's the consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this idea that that the earth is imprinted now it's it's inherently different yeah. than the perfect thing that was originally created right uh, and then the second part of that being that it's cursed that the yes. earth is cursed yeah um, so what do you think people normally read into or or assume about the word cursed if the earth mm-hmm. is cursed um, how do we process that. What's what's our takeaway? Right. I think our our takeaway is um, it's lost. You know, it's it's unproductive. It will only bring about um, the means the the its curse. You know, if if it's cursed to be rotten, it, it it's, it's it's a lost hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the idea behind the earth is fallen. So why would we ever try to make it unfallen? Like why would we ever try to make it something that it, that it's been cursed to be? Right. So I think that's where you get that theme of well, the only option is we must leave. You know, we, we must be taken it's away. It's unredeemable. From, right? Unredeemable. Yeah. yeah. Pack your so, bags. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that idea of well, if the earth is cursed, um, and you know, even that it's it's the 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 house or the place of my sin and. The place of so much fallenness, um, unredeemable. So that for yeah. to me, I, cur- for a curse, I, I get the theme of hopelessness. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this: this ground is, you yeah. know, we'll toil to get things from it. Well, it's like, oh, forget it. The whole thing's going to be burned anyway. Yeah, I think for a, a lot of folks, the the notion of it being cursed, um, they equate with it being evil. That, right. That yeah. there's 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 it's a synonymous term, which I think is is unfortunate because that's that's not what a curse means. Exactly. Yeah. It, curse to curse something it, it takes away a degree of its life, a degree of its vitality. Mm-hmm. Doesn't um, declare it to be something wicked. It just makes it less than. Mm-hmm. And so, if we reflect on on the consequence. Of the fall in Genesis, the fall of man. Then I think that's an accurate way to read that. We, there was we lost something. The earth lost something. It lost a degree of vitality, mm-hmm. a degree of uh, naturally just 
exuding forth life. And so even um, the passage, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. They already had the mandate. Our our ancestors had the mandate to cultivate the the earth. Whether that was inside paradise or outside of paradise, the job was still the same. (laughs) Now it's just going to be a lot harder because the earth wasn't just going to naturally spring forth with abundance um, right. without the effort. Right. So I think that's an important permission for people that want to move more into this uh, area of environmental stewardship. They love God. They want to love the earth, honor the Lord, honor his design, take better care of it. Um, the permission that this place isn't evil mm-hmm. just because a curse was on the land. Right. Does that does that sit right with you? Uh, absolutely sits right with me. There's a um, a popular theme that's in the Bible, and it, there's a passage about it where um, when the Lord, when when Christ returns, uh, there's this. It says that two will, two people will be in the field, and and one will be taken. And I think it's often been thought, and at the turn of the century, I think it was taught this way that the one taken. <clears throat> is the blessed one. Mm-hmm. Well, the one left behind is other oh, stuck on earth. It, I think, it, you know, in the way I read it, and I think the way, you know, the more, the more modern understanding of it and the way that's more accurate to understand it is the one left on the earth is the actual, the blessed one, the one mm-hmm. left in the presence of, of, of a good earth that mm-hmm. is yielding it is that's the blessing. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to recover from our theology that said, well, we need to escape I think yeah. we, we need to go back and see that the the true freedom is finding oneness and connectivity with the Creator mm-hmm. in the creation that He gave us um, in its in its perfect form. And what we are experiencing now is a lack of vitality, but that vitality will be restored. You know, it's not going to mm-hmm. it's not some Mars world. It's this world with its vitality restored. And I think that's a better theology. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, um, a more accurate depiction of what we see happen on earth. Um, I don't, I don't see people finding freedom and escaping. I think I, we find people finding freedom in, in stewardship mm-hmm. and, and tending well to what they have. So, it, I mean, it all lines up. Uh, and I think there are, there are probably political, social, and theological reasons why we, we moved to an escapism mm-hmm. idea but I think it's time. It's time for us to understand and go back to um, a recapturing of that idea that the earth is good mm-hmm. and, and we have a place in that. So with this, this notion that, that the earth is good and that would make it the sum of its parts, being greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. We, if we look at some of the parts themselves then, if we look at um, rocks and trees and we look at um, how God in Scripture primarily in the Old Testament, engaged with humanity through that venue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, we, we have the examples. We have the burning bush. Like, yeah. that's, that's an odd thing to choose, <laughs> but, but he chose right. it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, statements to Moses, uh, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Yeah. Um, when, when God is giving instructions for building an altar, Mm-hmm. Um, he makes sure to, to state, leave the stones in their natural state yeah. that I designed and I created yeah. them. Don't chisel them. Hmm. I want them natural. <laughs> and so God is choosing this design using natural materials that he made that he says 
is holy. He says is consecrated. He says is blessed. Don't defile it with human touch and human design. Maintain my design. Yeah. So does that imply an inherent specialness? And if so, is that something that you see Christians having a hard time declaring the specialness or acknowledging the specialness of elements of of nature without it going weird. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think there is um, a a difficulty for Christians to to do exactly what you're saying, which is biblical. But, you know, when you were talking, it made me think of so many times when people see a beautiful sunset, they're like, well, mm. look what, you know, the, the cre- you know, creator, look what our God did, the greatest artist and all that sort of thing. But then at the same time, we look at, you know, things on the earth, you know, the, the way things are, the way things ought to be, the, the, the trees that we ought to let grow, the, all of that sort of stuff. And we just mutilate it, right? <laughs> but then at night driving down the yeah. giant freeway in our truck that's just destroying the the air behind it we're like look at this how beautiful this <laughs> this uh, sunset is and it's this like where, where are we where does our thinking go wrong right. where we can attribute such mastery to creation and what we're looking at yet st- stand on such defiled ground so to speak you know right and and not have that consistent way of thinking throughout it's fascinating yeah so in the context of God designing earth from a divine source, from himself. Mm -hmm. So there's divine inspiration. There's divine energy uh, bringing it to life. There's divine decree. There's divine assignment as he gives it to us um, to steward, to manage, to cultivate, Mm -hmm. to bring life out of, to order and organize um, so if we, as Christians, can acknowledge that storyline of specialness, hmm. then, um, and if we can acknowledge Romans 1, uh, it says here, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that mankind is without excuse. Hmm. Okay, we can hold to that. So we've just skipped from the beginning of the Old Testament to the beginning, middle right. of the New Testament. Right. <laughs> Do we really have any platform or excuse or reason to be dismissive if it was special in its origin and if it continues to be special in manifesting and declaring the handiwork of God, His nature, His char- yeah. characteristics? Do we have a leg to stand on if we reject that original mandate to rule the earth, to cultivate it, to steward it. Yeah, I don't think so at all. I think we are we stand in in we stand guilty in a way of such a, such a, an original idea. In in so many ways, we we are in opposition to it. We are not only passive, we're in opposition, and I think that is ter- it's it's it's. It ought to spur us on to at least, I mean, come on, conversation, right? Like about about the way we're doing things and the, the way you set it up and even say it that way. It doesn't sound like we can be passive, you know? Maybe you could find some kind of argument for, you know, being neutral about the way we mm-hmm. treat the earth. But 
I would say that the way most of us live is an excess. Kind of do no it, harm. Yeah, kind of like, harm. yeah, net zero. Like, right. I'm, you know, I'm not the worst. I'm not the best. And, but I think most of us in the, the culture we live, we're, it's just the opposite. We're, we're, we're bringing harm to what was been given to us. And, on, and if that's the case, we have no leg to stand on. But yeah, we, we ought to be confronted with that reality. Would you go so far as to say that apathy or worse yet, destructiveness um, in our patterns and um, habits is dishonoring to the Lord? Yeah, I'm feeling convicted now. This is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think there there is a... I think so. I mean, you, I mean, you ha- you would have to think that there there are so many things, and we could you know, there's another conversation about fallenness. What does that look like, even in of ourselves? There, there's so many things where, we, where I think we miss true design. You know, if mm-hmm. uh, if things were designed beautifully and designed well, I think we we do a dishonoring to the creator to manipulate the design so much. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not even that we're, we're we're fiddling with it to kind of tweak it. We're, we're just, we're, we're breaking it almost, you know, yeah. a, a beautiful tool or a beautiful building that is just so misused. It's, it's almost, dis- yeah, yeah, you're right. It's dishonoring to the creator. And I think, I think we are, we are at risk with, without conversation and without dealing with it, dealing with it in, in a communal setting. I think we are at risk of standing guilty. Yeah, absolutely. So when Jesus says, well, so Mark sixteen fifteen, uh, it's a bracketed verse, so this is a topic for <laughs> another podcast. But it says, um, talking about Jesus, he said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to all creation." Mm-hmm. And the Greek there for creation is straight up creation. <laughs> what was created? What was created? Go <laughs> yeah. preach the good news. Yeah. What do you think that we can infer from? From that passage, yeah, I think uh, a burden. I would say, just off the top of my head, I, that that's where I, I would pick up a sense of purpose and a sense of responsibility that creation deserves the restorative nature of Christ. And if that's the case, then, and we hear a mandate in this, it mm-hmm. would sound like. We're not waiting for him to do the restoration yeah. entirely on his own, that this is something that he's inviting us into. Yeah, that's good. I think that's exactly the way I view that. It's, it's, it's our, we've picked it up. The mantle is mm-hmm. in, in a way with us now is, is this spreading of the restorative nature, the, the goodness of Christ to all of creation. So clearly, I mean, this passage is talking about the gospel. It's talking about the good news. It's talking about freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from curse, freedom from fear, freedom from all kinds of things, referencing Jesus's mission in, in Luke 4. Mm-hmm. I think we can make the case that the trickle down, maybe it starts at a spiritual level mm-hmm. of engaging and bringing the good news to creation, bringing freedom to Everything he created, yeah. freeing it from the clutch of the enemy, freeing it from the power of sin. Yeah. But that logically that should trickle down into the physical ways that we engage with it and interact with it and right. consume it and mm-hmm. protect it and, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have done very little work in understanding what that passage and that idea 
that's springing forth from the gospel. We've done very little work on what that means beyond helping people become Christians, you know, helping Mm -hmm. people become converts, you know. There's so much more there. There's a richness just in the way that it's laid out, the the plan in which which is there. And I think we need to go back and start figuring out the ways we missed it. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, as you're talking about converts and our perhaps more recent approach in the last hundred years or so. Yeah. um, What are your thoughts of... Christian nonprofits and missions agencies that are taking more of a an environmental stewardship approach in reaching out and uh, you know reaching cross culturally, yeah, um, and using that as as a means to bring the gospel. I think that's I think it's wonderful. I I do. I think it would be sad to see them um, mis mislabeled as being you know progressive for progressive's sake or. Or that they're on that side of the the view. I think that's that's not the right way to think about it. I think using environment, you know, the, the care for the environment, it not to it ought not to be viewed as a, I think a tool that like oh they're using that. I think it just ought to be part of what we do, and that believers ought to be people who are known for their stewardship of of the earth and what we've been given. So I I love it. I think it's a direction that we ought to go as believers is picking up that mantle that maybe we put down and saying um, we care about the environments in which you exist. I I think it shows no greater care for a person to say the very ground you walk on is important Mm. to us. Interesting. Um, the water you drink, the fruit you eat, mm-hmm. um, is of concern to us. We want it to be the we want it we want to care for that, and in doing that, we care for you. Uh, to me, there's no greater there's no greater compliment to say just to, to say something like that. Yeah. But Doug, that sounds like a lot more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the right kind of work. You know, maybe that's the maybe we've created such a problem in that we we dropped the the uh, a portion or maybe the majority of the work that we ought to be doing this restorative work mm-hmm. um, where you know environment. It, External environment and internal environment are cohesive and, yeah. and play off each other. Maybe we're missing that internal environment because we, we're, we're, we're missing the external environment. And that, that's true in all these ways. I, when I, you know, my wife and I, we run a nonprofit for people struggling with infertility. It's the same kind of thing, right? You know, we can't say, hey, we're here for you. You know, it's great. Um, that sounds like really is a bummer what you're going through. No, I mean, we got to jump fully in mm-hmm. and say your environment is important. You, what you're going through is important. Mm-hmm. You know, for someone who lives in Irvine, you know, in, in which is a you know, city here, it's very well manicured, <laughs> yeah. very well taken care of here yes. in Southern California. Um, it's going to be different for us to say, you know, to jump over to someone, you know, so I have friends who live in Albania for us to say the city you live in is important for us. The way it's treating its air, its ground, it's, it's food to care about that is to care about them almost more than us coming in and saying, Hey, you know, we want to make sure your theology is right or something, you know, that to care about the, the food that they're eating. That's, that's so far above and beyond. I mean, it, it automatically encompasses their internal being, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we had earlier in the, in the podcast had talked about um, oblivion 
Like right. If, if we're just unaware. Yeah. So this is, you brought up Albania. So, so turn the tables on us and talk about what the opposite of oblivion is for your friends that are living there. Yeah. What are they facing? Yeah, it's such a different... Uh, way of thinking. They're they're entrenched in the in the world that they live in. The, I love Albania. It's a beautiful place, um, but it's a place with less regulations. Mm-hmm. It's a place of, um, where there's less systems in place to take care of the waste that they have, or the the chemicals that they're using on their food. And I mean. Um, and they're aware of it. They're aware of that the food that they eat is beautiful, it's plump, it's wonderful, but it's been it's been treated in a way to make it look that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, uh, it the, this uh, this idea about caring for the environment is is paramount because it's not taken for granted that someone else is going to do it. It's on them to protect themselves and to care for to care for the land that they're in because the land that they're in. Is in a way, it's caring for them. So yeah. our our wonderful friends over there, they're they're good at finding the the areas where they can you know eat really you know non chemically treated food, and they mm-hmm. know um, the the places to go and the nature to be in. But that's because it's it's the world in which they live. Yeah. And I think for us, we're, we're so quick to say we're out of here. Now it's just like ah, this whole thing is going to waste. But for them, they're so pr- they take so much pride in the land that they live because it's so beautiful. Um, but they understand that without concerted effort, it won't be taken care of. Right, right. Uh, I've similarly uh, been to been to Kenya many times, and there's a there's a little town in Kenya that is a town. Uh, originally formed by squatters, hmm. um, private land is not government land, hmm. and this ultimately built up over the years to to be a an actual little mini city wow. without any infrastructure hmm. because it was just shacks that grew on shacks and you yeah. know so the the refuse is in the streets yeah the the wastewater runs through the streets electrical wires lay on the ground. Yeah. You know, it is, and it's kind of a hopeless situation um, because there is, the government still can't do anything. It's private land. Right. So, uh, you know, one of the, the conversations that I had with the local uh, church over there is, man, you're, you're centered right in the middle of this, this little shanty town. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you just made it your, your project to keep the street in front of your church facility clean. Yeah. <laughs> like, just pick up the trash. Yeah. You know, 50 feet this direction, 50 feet that direction. Yeah. And, but it was such a bizarre concept. Mm. Like, wait, we should pick up the trash? Yeah. <laughs> but why? Like, that's just how it is. Right. It's everywhere. Yeah, and so yeah. it's it's almost kind of the opposite scenario of here where we just don't even really think about it. Yeah. Because we don't see it. Right. And in some of these situations like this one, they don't even think about it. Right. Because it's just normal. Yeah. It's everywhere. Right. So, but I, I think there's opportunity no matter where we live to to be that light and and make a difference in the community, our, the land we live on, the homes yeah. that, we, that we live in, um, and have that be a very direct blessing to the people around us. Absolutely. Um, so 
I feel like we should probably talk about uh, the guilt side of this, <laughs> yes, right? I mean, yes. we're taking this this hardline yeah. approach. <laughs> we should be doing more. <laughs> so to start very simply, how how can a person move into uh, baby steps? What's what's a practical way for somebody to get involved? Um, when perhaps this seems overwhelming, yeah, and maybe it's a person who's barely making ends meet, and I don't have any extra money to put towards right, anything right. fancy. I, I don't have any extra time. I'm just trying to survive. Right. So, how how deep does a person have to dig to move into this? Yeah, that's a great point. I think. And me being myself, just constantly wanting to grow and be better at this. So I think, you know, I, I wear as much guilt as everyone else. <laughs> um, I would say for me, I'm a very cerebral person. And I believe that the way we think about things, the it, it changes the way we do things. Um, and ideas are powerful. For me, what I would say is is begin to educate yourself. It's, it's a really simple tool. Um, there's, there's, an, there's amazing information um, here fr- from what we're talking about, uh, but, but also through, you know, books and articles and things like that. For me, I've always, I always felt like, uh, is the care for the environment, is this going to turn into a long to-do list of things I have to do? Um, but when I began and still am changing the way I view the situation from, a very philosophical or very theological or just for a very social human level, the actions just so they flow so much easier. Um, when I, when I see the, the kind of the behind the curtain view. So for me, I would say taking a step closer to understanding will make the actions feel better. (laughs) The, the, the simple steps feeling better, you know, just being conscious by how much waste you're creating, Mm -hmm. being conscious about, you know, what kind of vehicles you drive or, or the way you're, you're treating even your household items. It just starts to click and you start to realize, Oh, well that is, is because (laughs) if I do this, I know the outcome of that and I'm not Mm -hmm. comfortable with the outcome of that. I think it will, you begin to find yourself really having this deeper care for the earth. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think part of what is, Embedded in that is, uh, I know for someone like myself, is the idea of permissions. Yeah. You know, there's permissions. And I know for a lot of folks that they they are involved. Mm-hmm. They do care. But maybe they feel alone in it. Maybe they feel like this isn't something that the church really cares about as a whole. This is more of like their individual area of, of passion. And mm. they just do it quietly on their own. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think I would I would say that maybe a place to start is where an individual notices the need or notices the opportunity the most in their own household. Yeah. Um, you know, for, we had some drought restrictions uh, a few years back. And mm-hmm. so what we started doing was all of the glasses that weren't completely used up, you know, all the water, yeah. uh, we just started collecting all the water in a little pitcher and that pitcher would go to, you know, fill the dog bowl, yeah. water plants. Water I mean, it's yeah. it's it's basic, but yeah. it kept over time. I mean, it's it's gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water. Yeah. That yeah, maybe that's a drop in the bucket, big picture, but that's not the point. Right. 
it's not how much of a difference you can make individually. It's just that you're 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 stepping into it. Right. Yeah. And that there's freedom in that. There can be fun in it. It can be life giving. It can bring relief. It can translate any number of ways. Um, I know for some folks, they're more passionate about, you know, zero waste. You've got some friends that are really, (laughs) really doing a great job with that. Yeah. Um, And others that are, their commitment is is going vegetarian or going vegan. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, others that it's about water use or recycling or, you know, so on and so on. Yeah. And I, so I think there's opportunity there in yeah. what is your individual area of interest? What, what lights up the most for you? Yeah. For and, me, I, I think, uh, just for me, I think what are those areas of, of passion where you're intersecting with the, the environment, the world you live in? For me, it's, it's so obvious it's surfing, you know, yeah. being at the beach, like, I think I, you know, a passion for what our beaches look like, the rivers that run into that water, mm-hmm. um, because I'm I'm there. You know, it's yes, is it self-serving? Sure, yeah. I mean, I want to be surfing in clean water, but it's it's a part of it's a part that I can latch onto and say, yeah. well, well, now I'm going to kind of trace that back up to the line. It's and, part of your story, and see, yeah, see exactly where I can where I can jump in and help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that makes sense. I've thought of a. Uh of a name, a cool name for you. I'm going to call you the Cerebral Surfer. <laughs> TM. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, I've enjoyed talking with you, Doug, about this. Absolutely. There's um, clearly, I mean, so much more to talk about. But this, just a way to kind of prime the pump and get the get the ball rolling on, on conversation. And we want to continue talking about these topics and um, flushing them out further. And I thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. You've been listening to the Forgotten Ways podcast with Brandon Scott Elrod. To find out more, visit ForgottenWays.org. Join us next time as we once again explore what it can look like to love God and respect the earth, beginning with our own heads, hearts, and homes.